Welcome to Season 4 of the Talking Lead AK Quarter. Proudly presented by Citri All. Summertime, are you going to be going to any of the Clash Bashes or Red October? You know, I'd like to. I haven't really made any plans, though. Are you? Uh, I'm planning on it. If, uh, if I get somebody to sponsor me. Yeah. I'll go. When is it? Is, isn't Clash Bash like around the same time? Yeah, they're all in October sometime. Yeah. yeah Clash Bash tickets just went on sale couple of days ago they should spread that shit out like do them all like two weeks apart kills you yeah i don't for some reason everybody wants to do shit in october for for ak's yeah what's up with that Niels? why is october synonymous why is october red october but clash bash can be anytime yeah and the other three that that go on they don't have october in their name no <laughs> They don't. They don't have any months. That shit should be in June. <laughs> so does everybody know everybody? Nils, I don't have you met James before? I don't think I've met Nils before. No. Okay. So everybody, this is Nils Gravelius. He's a author. I've had him on a couple times and he did the AK corner when we talked about the Valmet. Extremely knowledgeable on firearms. So I, I'm expecting cool. Nils to really carry us this. I guarantee you probably know more than than the average person, probably even more than the most experts. Uh, James owns Factory 47, Nils. Uh, he is the one that does our uh, AK Corner logoed items. And then he's got, he does like all the factory logos and things on hats and shirts and all that. He also has a podcast, or he was doing a podcast called the, was the, Barbarians. Yeah, it was the American Barbarians. And then he's got other ventures that he does too. He's he's quite the capitalist. Yeah. Uh, and then Drew Andrew Burnaman with Century Arms. Uh, Drew and I have been uh, good friends for many, many, many years now. Shit, over so ten years. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, over ten years. Yeah. Uh, re- you've been what with Century now? Two two years. Me. Yeah. Since 2018, uh, with Century, yeah, like has it been years. that long? Shit, okay, yeah, it doesn't seem like it, but it has. I guess COVID, you know, I don't count those two years, yeah, so I, I do because I was real busy. <laughs> <laughs> Nils is also a, a private investigator, a, a world renowned private investigator. I am not uh, world renowned, you are. I am the leper with the most fingers left. Sometimes that's all it takes. <laughs> uh, Brian introduced Nils and I, Brian Keeney. And gotcha. Where's Brian? He said he's going to be on a plane today when we were recording, so he couldn't make it uh, today. Damn, I needed some of his engineering nerdiness on this one. I know it would have been it would have been pristine to have him on, but it's all good. We will we will adapt. We will overcome. We will prevail. Cool. All right, you ready to get started? Sure. Okay, AK Heads, welcome back to another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner. This is Season 4, Episode 5, I do believe. So last episode we talked about uh, the Kalash Bash Texas. We had Dissident Arms, we had uh, Clay Owens, Mike Whiteside, and Lan Wynn. 
uh, join us for that episode. It was a really good episode. We talked about how they started Kalash Bash several years ago, uh, what they've got coming up this year. Uh, that's one of those events that just each year it gets bigger and bigger, and it is an awesome event. I had the opportunity to go last year uh, to witness it firsthand, and uh, I don't think there's a, a tighter-knit community than the than the AK community. So we're looking forward to that. Tickets just went on sale the other day, so if you're planning on going, you probably want to jump on there and get your ticket before they sell out. Uh, we also had... Uh, Neil Vermillion, he's a 16-year uh, vet, combat vet, and uh, he had built a AK bullpup, or he had one made. <laughs> and we were talking about this AK bullpup that he had made, and uh, it was it was pretty awesome. Uh, I know Andrew's probably saying, "What the hell, <laughs> AK bullpup?" What about an AK bullpup? Yeah, uh, Narinko imported him. I used to see him all the time back in the day. Back in like the mid '90s, we used to get them through through the shops all the time. Um, not all the time, but you'd see them. They're not that uncommon. And then there was a lot of kits you could make uh, AK bullpups out of in the early '90s as well. The, the, the Norinco had so many sharp edges on it, you could shave with the effing thing. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't try and clear a malfunction without fucking Kevlar gloves on. Right. Uh, it, it, it was it was a disaster. Um. One of the things Keeney and I are working on is an AK bullpup using a, a Valmet 82 stock. Oh, wow. And modding it by sl slightly canting the pistol grip forward so that a 762 by 39 magazine can clear the pistol grip and doing a couple of other things. The offset Valmet sights were clunky at best. Yeah. So the, the, the best the best thing of all is uh, putting a Piccaninny rail on top of the uh, rear sight block and using an optic only with that particular configuration. Uh, it makes a great PDW, and that's what Keeney is making for me is a Kalash uh, PDW. Oh, sweet. In 7.62 by 3.9. And I guarantee you don't have a delivery date on that because he has been way – behind and uh getting caught up so he's, I look he's had a hell that. of a time he's a friend i don't i don't worry about it yeah 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 and that's good and, and it's good that we got people like you and him that work together uh to make these uh these monstrosities so <laughs> that we can all sit back and enjoy and go what the hell were they thinking uh but that's a good episode so go back to our last episode we talk about that bullpup that neil had made uh and the the guys from Kalash bash there and we gave away a crap ton of of prizes, and I think I think most everybody has claimed their prize. If you haven't, uh, you better hurry because I'm going to cut you off soon. Uh, that being said, uh, you heard the voices. If you didn't recognize the last voice we, you heard, it's Niels Gravilius, and Niels has been on the show a couple of times. He was on our Valmet episode, uh, which you heard him uh, spouting off some Valmet knowledge there. Um, and then we had him on one of our regular episodes to talk about his uh, private investigation career, and he is also an author, and we talked about some of his books. So, Niels, welcome back to the podcast. Appreciate you coming. I'm very pleased to, to be here, and I'm pleased to meet uh, James and Drew. Well, I guarantee you it's all their honor. So, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all on their side there. 
Uh, and then the other voice that you heard, uh, we finally got uh, Drew back uh, representing Century Arms, who is presenting the AK Corner this season. And we greatly appreciate that, and we're glad that Drew was able to join us this episode. So, Drew, welcome back. Howdy, Leadheads. Uh, and then you heard another voice there, and you heard a name, James. And this is our good buddy, James Bialzak with Factory 47. And uh, James, this is probably, what, about your fourth fourth time on? Uh, yeah, probably fourth or fifth, I don't know, third, second. Yeah. It's, Somewhere in there. It's the first it's, this season, though. So it is the first this season. Yes. We are glad to have you back for season four, and uh, we're going to be talking about the Zastava, the the Serbian Yugoslavian <laughs> AK forty seven. And uh, between all of us, I think we're going to get uh, get everything accomplished that we want to talk about. Uh, and then some. We're missing Brian. Brian Keeney, uh, we'd mentioned earlier, he is uh, wasn't able to make it. He wanted to. He's on a flight, so it's hard to uh, Skype from an airplane, I guess, <laughs> these days. They haven't quite figured that out yet. So, guys, the, the Zastava. Oh, I was going to do something before we did that, wasn't I? I've got a giveaway, and I know all of you, all of you are, are just dying for me to announce the winner of this. So last episode, we did this um, little contest, and I snuck it in at the very end of the episode. So you had to listen past the actual closing and sign-off, and I gave you clues on what you needed to do to be able to enter this to win. And apparently, I was a little too sneaky uh, because we didn't have a lot of people um, enter this. So the people who did, your odds are very good on winning. And... I've gone through and I've assigned numbers to the people who did everything that they were supposed to to win the Primary Arms GLX 2X Prism 7.62x39 reticle. That's a $370 optic uh, that we're giving away. So I made you work for it. And we had 11 people that did everything exactly the way they were supposed to. And what I'm going to do is, Drew, you got a random number generator? Somebody got a random number generator handy? Yeah, I can do it. Okay. So I've got 11 entries, and I'm going to go here and assign them to to the people. So number one is Tongue for Twisting. Number two is P-Man 301. Number three is Casey Loftus. Number four is Austin Whalen. Howdy, howdy, Austin. Number five is Esom87. Number six is Jay Black, P2P, Jerry Black. Number seven, Corey Brown. Number eight, Pew Pew RN, Eric. Number nine is Mustang Perry. Number 10, AKM Archer, Aura. And number 11 is J. Edgar Paradox. So spin that wheel, Drew, and who is the lucky winner? Yeah. Generate number nine. Nine. Dun-dun-dun, Mustang Perry. Giddy up, Mustang. You have won the Primary Arms GLX 2X Prism. Email me, talkingletgmail.com. Tell me what you won. And, of course, we'll need your address. So I can forward it to Ken. And we had fun messing with Ken there. Uh, 
So it's always fun to mess with Ken. Always fun to mess with Ken. Uh, but the, this episode, we've got something huge that we're going to give away. Also, well, not this episode, we're going to make an announcement on a giveaway that we're doing. So let's not forget to do that at the end, uh, Andrew. I won't. All right, let's get into this. Let's talk about the uh, Yugo AK. And I kind of want to start off just doing a little brief history. Just run through the history here. And then maybe we'll differentiate the... You know what the and they're Serbians now. They used to be Yugoslavians. It's now Serbia. Um, what they did different, how they put their own touch to it, because it, it's an unlicensed version of the AK. They didn't have really permission to do it. So, and we're going to be specifically talking right now about the Zasta Zastava M70. Uh, it's a seven six two but three nine assault rifle. Developed in Yugoslavia by Zastava Arms during the 1960s. The I got to put these glasses on. Like I said, don't make fun of me. Don't make fun of me, Niels. The M70 was an unlicensed derivative of the Soviet AK-47, specifically the Type 3 variant. It became the standard issue infantry weapon in the Yugoslav People's Army in 1970 complementing and later superseding the Zastava M59-66, both the original M70 design as well as a commercial variant of the weapon without select fire capability, known as the Zastava PAP series, PAP, which is what we hear a lot here in this country. That's what they're referred to as. Yeah, that's what Century imported, Marty, mm-hmm. um, and PAPs for many years. Um, just... I'll put this in while we're talking about MPAPs. Um, Century imported all of the this is the Stava stuff for many years. Um, just, we stopped importing theirs, and they started their own M- U.S. company, the Stava USA. Um, so that's that's where the the change came from. But the MPAPs were definitely originally a, a Century import item. Yeah, uh, the Yugoslavians started in on the Kalashnikov. Uh, after two Albanian soldiers defected and their Kalashnikovs, and the Albanians didn't have a lot of Kalashnikovs. Most of their rifles were, of course, their own unique pattern of SKS. So the Kalashnikov was seen immediately as superior to the Semenov, and uh, so the rifles went to um, went to Zastava for evaluation. Uh, I think a lot of the reason that the Yugo rifles are so different is because the Yugoslavian tactics are so different from those of uh, the Warsaw Pact. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of mountainous uh, terrain to deal with. They have a lot of internal pro- or had a lot of internal problems because of the 11 or 13 different ethnicities uh, cobbled together from what was left of the Austro-Hungarian Empire at the end of World War One. Internal problems to deal with. Uh, a civil war at the end of World War Two between the various factions with the Serbs roughly aligning with Tito, who was actually a communist Croat, but Tito hewing a very independent course from the from the Soviet bloc and, and outright defying Stalin. So I think the salient difference that you have to think about tactically is from the very start, the Yugoslavians wanted a Kalashnikov pattern rifle that could launch anti-tank grenades. And so 
you'll see looking at the at the uh, Zastava rifles, uh, the prototypes all the way through those that they fielded, they were all equipped uh, to launch uh, anti-tank rifle grenades of a NATO pattern. And the NATO pattern was exactly like that of um, uh, the US uh, from World War II. Now, the gas block has a grenade launching site which cuts off the gas flow so that the maximum um, impingement comes out to force the rifle grenade off of the spigot which replaces the, the slant flash suppressor or uh, muzzle brake rather, pardon me. I'm in California and we have to d differentiate there. <laughs> you so. could go to jail for calling it the wrong thing there. Well, so uh, another salient difference is the Yugoslavians anticipated having to fight at night in close quarters. So they put flip up night sights front and rear on their rifles that uh, some Yugoslavian rifle owners uh, uh, American owners of uh, MPAPs or parts kit rifles, etc., never noticed that they actually had the facility for flip-up night sights. A lot of them were imported with dead night sights uh, or no night sights actually inserted, uh, you know, with tritium, that sort of thing. The, there were some early uh, importations by an outfit in Kentucky, and I, I can't remember the name of the outfit. They imported fewer than 500 uh, Yugoslavian pattern Kalashnikovs that did not have the grenade launcher gas block on them, huh. but they did have the flip up night sights and they had very nice wood. They were under folders. I owned one. It was uh, the guy in, um, I'm going to tell you the name of that importer in just a second. It's on the tip of my tongue. He's in Lexington or just south of Lexington. Is, is it the Persian guy? Uh, it'll come out. It'll come out of my head in just a minute. It'll come popping out. Right. I, I lost mine uh, when the economy crashed in 08. I had to sell it for money. Um, but uh, it was an excellent rifle, and it was uh, I had gotten it for free. It was a rescue. The guy who had owned it had died. It was still new in the box, that sort of thing. And I shot the living hell oh, out wow. of it. I wasn't going to let it remain a safe queen, and it was an excellent, excellent rifle. Now, Perhaps Drew could talk a little bit about the interchangeability of some parts, but not all parts, between Yugoslavian and Chinese, Russian, Romanian, German, etc. pattern Kalashnikov rifles. Uh, real yeah, quick, um, before we do that, if we want to cycle real quick on history, I just wanted to yeah. fill in a couple blanks for listeners yeah. um, that might not kind of understand where, where we went there. But um, basically, World War II, you know, Yugoslavia took the neutral road right after that, and they weren't they weren't Warsaw and they weren't NATO, so they were trying to be neutral. And what happened was Hitler marched through on his way to Russia or the Soviets, and the Soviets did the same thing going the other way. So Yugoslavia was put in a position where they had to take a defensive stance for their own their own good, really, and so. That's what I think kind of drove what you were saying and really goes in line with what you're saying, that they their whole tactics changed based on kind of what they had to, the stance they took. And so it drove all their, their weapons, their way they made them, the way they did everything based on the fact that they didn't know which side was going to come at them when, but they weren't going to allow anybody to march through for free anymore. So I think a lot of that kind of comes from that and, and it goes in line with what you're saying, but 
people listening might not have kind of understood the background construct of that. So I just wanted to fill that. Oh, that's history. great. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And to add to that, you know, the, the Russians never really trusted the Yugoslavians similar to the Chinese. And vice versa. Yeah. And the Yugoslavians really when you look, them either. Yeah. When you look at the Yugo, the, just if we get back to the gun, when you look at the Yugo gun and you look at the Chinese gun, they took basically, they reverse engineered type three Russian AK, AKs is what they did. They just went two different directions with it. The one way and the Yugoslavians went a different way, but they kind of, at the end of the day, they did the same thing. They reverse engineered a Russian, basically a captured Russian weapon. Um, uh, as far as you were talking about the Albanians, when they got that, they also, I think that whetted their appetite for it after getting those two guns from the Albanians, and they started picking up guns from around the world, uh, from other places in the Russian sphere. And that's when they really set off into making the, uh, you know, the, the Yugo AK, as, as, as we'll call it now. Um, yeah, definitely very, very interesting stuff there going on in, in the former Yugoslavia. And that, that first one was the, the Model 64, M64, and then it evolved into the 70 that we were just talking about. Yeah, so in 19... So 64s were milled. Yeah, a lot of the yeah. M70s were too, from what I understand. They Early like, M70s were well, yeah. a lot of different variants. Yeah. And then they just put other suffixes onto that. One of the characteristics um, of the Yugoslavian or Serbian AK is uh, that they're sturdier, the thicker barrels. Uh, even their milled ones or the um, the stamped ones that they did were sturdier, thicker steel that they used. Uh, Some so, of them, not all of them. Well, uh, they yeah. used one mil and one and a half mils on different variants. They've had so many variants of the same. Yeah. They had, I mean, they threaded barrels into the early ones. They didn't but, even. But for the most part, they that's typically the reputation that they have as being a little more sturdier, a little more thicker than you know than your Russian stamp receiver. Barrels also. Okay, so as to inter interchangeability, the bolts, the spring guides and springs, the trigger mechanism, the pistol grip. Uh, uh, those are all interchangeable. You, uh, but but other parts like the gas block, uh, because of the journal of the barrel, um, the rear sight tower, the trunnions are not interchangeable. And uh, they made an even beefier version for their uh, RPK machine gun variant. And uh, that one even has cooling fins uh, uh, milled into the barrel for that crucial part just forward of the chamber, which superheats under, you know, fully automatic fire, that sort of thing. Um, so the Yugoslavian rifles are very well thought out, well executed weapons. And something to keep in mind is that uh, they retained a lot of uh, Car 98Ks and then started making M56 uh, uh, variants, Yugoslavian Mausers that they would issue to clerks, truck drivers, uh, airfield guards, that sort of thing. Not, not every soldier got a Kalashnikov or even a Semenov uh, to, uh, to go to the field with or to go to war with. And uh, for their larger caliber, they did not go with the 7.62 Imperial. They stuck with the 7.92 Mauser and even made a large scale variant of the Kalashnikov as a uh, sniper rifle, marksman's rifle, 
and uh, it is in eight millimeter Mauser, uh, a fine rifle. You can still get those. Uh, I'm sure you do. So another thing that was interesting was um, that in the earlier productions, they threaded their barrels. Uh, and then later on in the 70s, um, they started uh, doing the, the press because it was cheaper. and Press and pin, yeah. Yeah, it was cheaper and more efficient for them. Now, perhaps uh, James or Drew could uh, refresh my memory. Did the Yugoslavians always chrome line their barrels or, or were they uh, just uh, button rifled uh, carbon steel? Yeah, they never they never chrome lined their barrels or their chambers on any of their guns. They continue, they still don't. Okay. Uh, and then uh, and a lot of people think that their bolts. That's are, not true. They do. They do chrome line the new the new oh, ones current, have the current ones. The current ones do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the original military stuff, none of that was chrome lined. Yeah. Um, right. And a lot of people think that that bolt was chrome lined back in the day, but it was actually just in the white. Steel in the white. So. And there's a lot of rumors as people say, why did they, why didn't they? Um, like with a lot of stuff with the Yugo guns as I saw stuff early on, no one really knows. No one wrote it down in a book. Everyone just kind of assumes why wouldn't they chrome line? You know, there's the big thing is, oh, they didn't have any deposits of chromium, so they couldn't get chrome. Um, I think that's probably bullshit. Um, <laughs> it, but, you know, whatever. Who knows? No one really knows the answer why they did chose to or didn't, did or didn't. Um, obviously, there's a cost to it. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, um, more accuracy, you know, that, that can be an argument as well, but there's a lot of things with the Yugo guns that really, there is no actual definitive factual answer. It's just a lot of speculation. Yeah. Wow. And the reason they started doing it, chrome lining their barrels now, you know, cause they were importing them to the U S and Americans want their barrels, you know, their boards chrome lined. So, that, I mean, that's the main reason why they, they did it. And, you know, a lot of people think that the chrome lining, is you know to protect it from the corrosive ammo um but it but that's not really the reason why people chrome line their barrels is because it extended the life of the the machine gun barrels that's why they the main reason why they chrome line barrels wow. uh also the yugoslavian magazines are typically very high quality and uh are completely interchangeable with any other uh, 7.62x39 Kalashnikov variant. Um, when Yugoslavia broke up after the Yugoslavian Civil War, their arms industry was not distributed among the various republics that sprung up afterwards. And now uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina actually imports rifles from China from Romania, from Hungary, that sort of thing. And they've gone back to the AKM pattern rifle rather than hewing to uh, strictly the M70 uh, or M64. They do have large stocks of M70s and M64s, but a lot of the their troops are issued with, uh, with uh, a hodgepodge of uh, AKM variants. Yep. So... Talk about talking about the mags too. Um, yeah. Somebody might talk about this. I know that most of them are bolt hold open, um, the magazines, but I don't know mm -hmm. if all of them are. I know the early guns had a bolt open, hold open, a last round hold open feature inside the gun, and I know that they later got rid of that to and and decided to use the magazine stop instead of the actual 
mechanics inside of the gun to hold the bolt open. So I don't know if all of them are bolt hold open or just most of them. I think they changed it to and and started using the selector switches to have that little notch. Uh, I think uh, I don't know for when import, they import. You mean? Yeah, for import. So I don't yeah. know when they when they started doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. I would say that probably some old Yugo mags without the old open feature are probably worth a bunch of money. Well, uh, there have also been a lot of copies. The Iraqis copied the uh, M70 extensively, uh, calling them Tabuks, but they called every Kalashnikov they owned a Tabuk. And uh, all over uh, sub-Saharan Africa in the various states you can find uh, various wrecks of uh, M70s and also Iraqi copies. And uh, because of the limited uh, ability to swap parts, they're not terribly popular in sub-Saharan Africa. They're more popular actually in Afghanistan. And of course, the Afghani arms industry is always happy to have small ateliers to copy whatever has to be copied. <laughs> you know, they, uh, they make their own replacement parts to spec. And uh, you can find a lot of perfect M70 copies uh, throughout the Kyber Pass region. Uh, it's an excellent rifle. James, you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, not right now. You guys okay. keep going. I was about to mention Iraq, and he, he took it and ran with it. So. <laughs> I was, well, I was okay. say, you can't talk about the M70 without mentioning the Tabuk at some point. The Tabuk. Absolutely. James, add to that. There's, there's stuff you can add to that. Um, the, the well, Iraqis really made extensive I, use. I literally had my notes, bolt hold open, and he took it. And then it's right after that, Iraq. Before that, I had thick receiver, grenade sight, long barrel. You guys hit all of them. I'm going to shut the hell up and let James talk. <laughs> you guys for like five minutes, I'll start making more notes. So let's, let's, let's do this. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about the markings we could typically find on uh, a parts kit for uh, a, a, an actual Yugoslavian-made M70 or M64? So, M, ooh, M64, I'm not too sure. M70, it pretty much just says M70 Zastava. Um, and it's usually in, like, a just a thin little font. And... Uh, It'll be on the same location as any other other AK on the left side of the trunnion. And gosh, I don't know. You caught me off guard here. Well, I'll, I'll throw in something real quick. Zastava or the Yugoslavians were terrible about marking their firearms, terrible about model designations. And honestly, until recently with their imported guns, remain terrible. They actually have three different firearms that are called a Model 70, including a pistol. Are you talking imports or are you talking like before imports? Yeah. So they've never been great about model designations, numbers, or markings ever on yeah. on their guns. I mean, there's definitely markings, don't get me wrong, but they're not like you look at like an East German, you know, gun where like very specific things are marked in very specific ways. Um, well, with part of that is stuff, it's all over. A lot of the countries like Germany where they, they had a high um, – QC process for for several reasons, but so a lot of the stampings and markings that you see that are on every single one of them are actually inspection stamps or quality assurance stamps and markings like that. Whereas when you talk about Zastava, they didn't probably have that, that yeah. and so their markings are actually like like a signature. This is we made this instead of a 
uh, hey, this is accepted for service type marking. So some other things that you can look at other than the markings, you know, Zastava began incorporating the larger RPK pattern barrel trunnions uh, in the in 70s during the mid to late 70s, which resulted in a that distinctive bulge, kind of like a bul- the BFT, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, if you want to get into that, we can go ahead and start getting into that. Um, well, let me finish this and we can talk about the distinctive bulge on the forward receiver beneath the rifle's bolt handle. So that's a, a feature that you could look for uh, to, to designate it as a, a Yugoslavian or Serbian. Uh, the M70B1 was marked on the left above the bulge trunnion with the Zastava uh, brand mark, model number, year production, and the serial number. There are three fire selector markings on the right side of the receiver. They've got a U, an R, and a J. So there's some, some other distinguishing features that might help you identify yeah, so the U stands for, and I'm going to butcher this word, Yukocheno, which means safe. R for Rafalno, I guess, which is automatic. And then the J, boy, I'm going to really screw this one up. Jedinakno, semi-auto. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have okay. no idea how to pronounce those words. All right, so something that is poorly understood about Yugoslavia is as much as those people hate each other, tribe by tribe, uh, you know, state by state, they all speak the same language and each claims it as his own. The Serbs, the, the Croats, the Bosniaks, the Kosovars, the Macedonians, the Montenegrins, they all speak the same language and each says it is theirs. The Serbs even use the Eastern alphabet to express uh, the same language. Um, now, uh, Tito being a Croat, he, he, uh, demanded that everything be marked using the Roman alphabet, even though he was uh, somewhat of an atheist himself. Uh, and it was just him, his way of, of keeping a lid on things. Um, but the Serbs, the Serbs have always been the dominant force within that region. Uh, the rest of them fear the Serbs, and um, the Croats regularly will will change sides. Uh, they'll they'll team up with the Bosnian Bosnia Herzegovinans, who are uh, Muslims against the Serbs, who are who are Christians, uh, and then the the Kosovars are ethnic Albanians who who, who speak Albanian as well as Serbo-Croat, uh, and they are Muslims, but. Uh, they won't team up with anyone other than Al-Qaeda and ISIS, that sort of thing. Even though we pulled their bacon out of the fire with the, with the Serbs in 1999, every chance they get, they'll enlist with the Chechnyans and Al-Qaeda and that sort of thing. They hate the Americans. Uh, and, and their Muslim countrymen in Bosnia-Herzegovina are probably 30% of the Iowa National Guard. If you go to Iowa, you go to Home Depot, every guy working at Home Depot just about is a Bosniak uh, and a Muslim and serves in the Iowa National Guard. They're faithful Americans and they rat out the, uh, the Kosovars when they, when they you know, make trouble in the, in the Muslim community in the, in the Midwest. It's, it's pretty funny to, to contemplate. <laughs> that is funny. 
And and you and I could not pick them apart. I couldn't look at a at a Bosnian and a Croat and whatever and say, well, this is that. The only one with any distinctive appearance are the Macedonians who are all typically over six feet tall and skinny. Uh, that is the only way I could pick them out. So let's talk about some of the variants. Uh, and there's several variants here. I'm going to do a screen share. A lot of variants. And uh, I just saw that I wasn't recording like our first 15 minutes or so on the video, but the audio, I've got everything on audio. Uh, so for so our video. I was going through the book here and just looking at some of the pictures that were in here now that you mentioned variants. And when it comes to the markings, you know, he, he's right. There's like some of them have no markings. Some of them say Zastava. Some of them have Zastava and then the city where the, the plant is. And then they'll have the Z with the double circle. Yeah. And, uh, and it'll say Yugoslavia under that. Some just sit, like the M70s just say M70. And it just seems like super hit or miss. Like they had no rhyme or reason to it. So, yeah, you try like um, just being from Century, obviously, customer service people. So we also imported their little 32 cal handgun. Mm -hmm. Also an MD70 stamped exactly the same way as it's stamped on the rifle. <laughs> you know, guy calls up. I got a problem with my my Model 70. You know, you instantly your head is like oh what's going on with the rifle you know like what ammo are you shooting what mags are you using they're like dude it's a what are you talking about <laughs> but you know Nathan Zastava same thing so it's uh definitely some uh interesting stuff there I was just pulling up um because James has all the logos and factory markings yeah. uh, on his website there so uh, for our video audience I was pulling that up uh, but just to uh, rattle off the variants here, and we can we can talk details um, as we go through these. The M70 is milled receiver fixed stock. The M70A is a milled receiver underfolding stock. M70A1 milled receiver underfolding stock mount for night or uh, optics. M70B1 stamped receiver fixed stock. The M70AB2 stamped receiver underfolding stock. The M70B1N stamped receiver fixed stock mount for night or optics the m70 ab 2n stamped receiver underfolding stock mount for night optics the m70 b3 is a stamped receiver underfolding stock rifle grenade sight removed and replaced with a bg40 millimeter underslung grenade launcher and that's what that looks like no that's an m79 man well they got it wrong. They got it wrong. <laughs> they got it wrong. They got it wrong. So you need to write That's Wikipedia and tell them. classic American bloop gun. Yeah. The M70B3 stamped receiver fixed stock, rifle grenade, sight removed, and it was replaced with a BG40 millimeter, 40 mic mic. Uh, M92. That's what an M92 is there. That is the carbine, shorter variant. Uh, and in the PAPS, which the PAPS is uh, basically the semi-automatic version. When you hear the somebody say PAPM, then that's been for the was made for the civilian market. And then, as you guys were talking about the Tabuks, that's the Iraqi copies. Uh, there's a Tabuk carbine, and there's a Tabuk sniper rifle. And that's is that is that the correct sniper rifle there, Niels? It uh, certainly looks like one. Um, it's one of the few sniper rifles uh, 
in 762 by 39, uh, the trajectory of the 762 by 39 is such that you'd only want to use it in relatively close quarters, 400 meters and less. Yeah. So that that's what uh, I've got listed there. Are there any other variants that you guys can can think of maybe that they missed there? I mean, there's probably 30, 40 different variants that are just missed because there's so few of them. Yeah. They just didn't. Just did a lot of weird things early on so they made a lot of different variants so you have a complete list but you know i would never discredit or discount someone if they say i've got one that doesn't match any of these because it could very well be real <laughs> yeah uh, now often the surplus uh, weapons or the ones made from a surplus parts kit will come with some some pretty entertaining uh, trench art on the stock, sometimes the pistol grip, the forend, that sort of thing. Some of it religious, some of it just the name of a girlfriend or the name of the soldier issued the weapon. Yeah, we did That's a really a good uh, episode last season. We talked about trench art, and I believe you were on that episode, right, James? Yeah. That was a really a really good episode. I think we had Jeff Kirkham on, and uh, we were talking about uh, read a couple unique pieces of Yugo trench yeah. art on that one. Were you on that episode, Nils? I was not. Oh, I think that I, you were invited, but you couldn't. I think you were on somebody's tail. <laughs> I was doing something bad to someone. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody was doing something bad and you were recording it. So All right. Do we want to get into the into the trunnion? Let's get into the trunnion. Let's talk about the the bulged trunnion there. Andrew. All right, so, so Bulge Forge Trunnion. Um, so again, I'll say this with a grain of salt. No one knows for sure. There's no factual. If someone can find this, a book from somebody that worked there or has made this statement as to why they decided to go to the Bulge Forge Trunnion, I would love to hear some facts about it. But right now, it's all, it's basically, you know, just what people think. Um, so the old front trunnion was introduced 70 platform, um, in probably the mid to late seventies, mid seventies, I think. Um, and what it is, is they took the design of the RPK trunnion and just to clear this up, it is not an RPK trunnion. People say, oh, it's the same as an RPK trunnion. It is not the same as an RPK trunnion. It's the same design. It's the same idea of an RPK trunnion but they're not interchangeable. Um, 1.5 mil receiver, stamped receiver. Um, there's lots of, lots of you know, different reasons why they say they did that from uh, you know, dealing with just having a more powerful trunnion to the grenade launcher to different things like that. Um, the grenade launcher situation, I would say it's probably not why because the grenade launcher on the, on the guns for a very long time before they switched to uh, Bulge Trunnion. Um, but what they did do, which they did have an issue with on the grenade launcher, is the dust cover. So one of the um, you know, interesting little things from the, um, the M70s or the Yugo rifles is they have a spring tension on the dust cover. Um, so you have to actuate another button besides just the, uh, the op rod to get that dust cover off. And the reason they added that was because it would pop the dust cover off when launching grenades. Sometimes uh, pressure, yeah, all that pressure. Yeah. And Nils, um, by the so, way, I muted you, Nils. So just so you know, in case you want to talk, I muted you. You were making some noise there. Sorry, bud. 
just shut this down. That's brutal. <laughs> but um, so so I don't know if that's the reason behind using the bolt because they successfully used the grenade launchers for many years before they switched to the to the bolts trunnion. So I'm not sure if that's the reason. Um, but no one knows. No one knows factually. I don't believe. Um, please correct me if someone does have an actual not just hearsay or assumption. I'd love to hear. We got some smart listeners, so any of our listeners know. Yeah. And like I said, opinion is opinion. If you got it written down somewhere, I'd love to see it. Um, but to be able to give you an, an actual answer on any of these these questions here, um, besides the fact that the dust cover, that extra piece was added to keep the dust cover from popping off when launching grenades. Yeah, and that makes sense. You know, that was an actual yeah. function. So the second function. thing about the trunnion is, um, and this is going to start all kinds of shit, and I'm just going to say this because this is a proposed, again, no one knows for sure, but it's a possibility. Um, and this is not from Century Arms. It's just from Andrew, AK nerd. So I don't need any hate from anybody on this. <laughs> the Yugoslavians use brass case 760 by 39. Uh, the majority of other combat countries or countries using... That platform using steel case. Um, you know, there's lots of reasons why the Yugos, Yugoslavians use brass and why they didn't use steel. Not going to get into all that. I'm just saying that we can all buy surplus Yugoslavian ammo and it's brass. We all know that. Um, does work in AK? Sure, works fine. Um, is it possible to degrade a trunnion using brass compared to steel case? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on who you ask. Um, is there a problem using both interchangeably and mixing them? It can be if you shoot steel before brass, don't clean properly, those kind of things. So there is a possibility that's also a reason they went for the bolts trunnion. Um, and then there's also just the, the straight up possibility of, hey, we want to have a tougher, more durable, badass rifle like everything else they did. They seem to always do over and beyond and, you know, heavier duty than anybody else. So maybe that's the reason. But um, unmute Nils because I feel like he's got to tell me something. <laughs> he can unmute himself. Unmute yourself. There's the three little dots. You can unmute, Marty. I I can't. Okay, so I guess um, the, all of those things could be true. Uh, what I suspect is that the bulge trunnion was so that uh, there was some uniformity in the manufacturing process be, uh, between the the infantryman's rifle and the squad automatic weapon that it just made it a simpler manufacturing process uh, uh, for the Yugoslavian uh, arms process. Now, the grenade launching thing is an interesting idea. Will uh, launching rifle grenades deteriorate the integrity of a rifle? Yes, it will. Uh, that was a problem that we had with the M1 Garand during World War II and Korea they would lose accuracy uh, after having uh, launched four or more rifle grenades. And a lot of uh, riflemen in both the Army and Marine Corps were very reticent to use the rifle grenades uh, for, that very, for that very reason. It could also cause the sights to reset themselves. So you have an excellent zero on your rifle, you launch a rifle grenade and voila, your rifle is no longer zeroed. Now, I have no history of launching rifle grenades, at least uh, from a, uh, a Kalashnikov pattern rifle. Uh, theoretically, uh, we could take that spigot launcher 
for the for the Yugoslavian and put it on a Rom a Romac or uh, an East German or Bulgarian rifle and launch the same grenades theoretically, I think it would deteriorate the rifle pretty quickly. You'd have uh, 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 rivets loosening quickly, that sort of thing. If you look at what military equipment was adopted post World War II by the various players in, in Western Europe, you can see what their tactical doctrine was. The Yugoslavians wanted to make themselves indigestible like the Finns so that they could uh, call the Russian supply chain their own if they had to, and they could fight off large amounts of tanks and armored personnel carriers with their infantry launched rifle grenades. The Austrians and the Germans adopted uh, fouls initially the Austrians stuck with their fouls much longer, but the Austrian foul will launch the same rifle grenades that the M70 will launch. And uh, you'll notice that the Austrian foul and the German foul both had bipods incorporated. Uh, so the foul on full auto is little more than a BAR. Uh, so it's, it's not an assault weapon. It's a defensive weapon. It's uh, for digging in and holding a line and hoping that somebody comes and saves your bacon from the 10 million Russians pouring across your border. I mean, that's the, the tactical doctrine. So when I examine the M70 and the M64, it talks about what, what, the, what the Yugoslavians feared. They, they, and uh, I, I think James said it very well. They feared getting stepped on from the East or the West. They never joined NATO, nor would they join the Warsaw Pact. Interesting. So from there, I don't know, I mean, we've talked about a lot. Um, you want to jump into the list of questions now? Are we done talking about the Yugos, or are we going to go into the questions? Well, that's that, that's going to add to the Yugos. I think that's going to delve into more because we're getting more specific now, mm -hmm. and the questions are going to get kind of kind of more specific uh, type thing. Cool. Unless there's something that's else cute. that you wanted to add to that at this point. Uh, I would just add for listeners, again, uh, I think I mentioned this in other episodes, that like when we talk about different countries of origin for AKs uh, it, as, as Americans – there's really two classes. There's the military AK, and then there's the AK that came to America. And so when we talk about the Yugo specifically, um, like a lot of what we talked about just now has to do with the ones that were made and intended for Yugoslavia to defend itself. But in the 80s, there was, hey, we can sell these to America. And so we had a couple import ones come in. And so I just want to touch quick on those. Um, yeah. I think one of the first ones was Mitchell Arms imported. And so um, I really, really can't talk about the Yugos without mentioning this because um, there's not very many pre-banned AKs uh, in, in the United States. I mean, we have, of course, our Chinese ones and we have the Mahdi, but the Mitchell Arms Yugo is actually a pre-banned AK. Um, Do you have so, a picture of that? I do not uh, handy, but we can probably find one. And I don't. I have no information on it about how many are out there or whatnot. Um, but that was one. And then I believe I'm looking at it right here. There was another um, importer out of Kansas City, Missouri, uh, American Arms of North, Kansas City. I guess it is. And then there was, um, there, was there was one in there was one in Kentucky, James. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say there's probably that one that you mentioned. So there's. I think there was one in um, Pennsylvania as well. So there's probably a couple, you know, 
small little, and they might have been almost like the Chinese imports where there was a couple mom and pa shops that got in on it, ordered a batch, and made some quick money, and that was the end of it, you know? And so anyways, those would have been, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, those would have been M70 rifles just made for American import. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I would say so, yeah. Yeah. With 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 variations, the uh, the one that I had had no grenade launcher uh, gas block or sight on it, and had yeah. very nice wood. And it had. Did you it do you recall? Did yours have like the standard markings and stuff then? Say it again, James. I, I said, do you recall? Did your rifle have the standard markings and such? Um, mine had the standard markings and the importer was marked on the rifle. Okay. When I put it up for sale on Gunbroker, I had, I got, I got clustered with lots of questions about whether or not I, I was committing fraud. I had guys who didn't believe that a Kentucky importer had imported them and they wanted very detailed pictures, that sort of thing. And the guy who ultimately bought the rifle wanted me to wrap it in diapers or some shit like that because he was terrified that, uh, you know, the post office or UPS or whatever was going to wrap it around a tree on its way to his house. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Oh, God. Founded in 2012... IWIUS is the USA-based subsidiary of Israel Weapon Industries Limited of Ramat Hasharon, Israel. The IWIUS line of products includes the Tavor X95, the Uzi Pro pistol and SMG, the Galil Ace line of firearms, and the belt-fed Negev line of light machine guns. IWI's mission is to bring the highest quality firearms with real world proven reliability to the U.S. commercial and law enforcement market. IWI U.S. are proud sponsors of the Talking Lead AK Corner and the Lead Head Brigade. Check us out at www.iwi.us and on social media under IWI U.S. Can you remember the name of that manufacturer or that importer? Drew? It's got a pop in my head. It's Kentucky something. I know what it is. And the reason I know is because I deal with centerfire systems in Kentucky. And when that guy went under, centerfire bought everything he had. This was many years ago, but yeah, um, he was, oh, the French revolvers. Um, it's the same guy that had brought in all the French Smith & Wesson, weird Smith Ruger, uh, hybrid revolvers oh shit what were those called it's the same guy though sorry I'm going off here and i'm getting off track but it's the same importer that brought in all this hey, man, man we're Karen, talking guns Karen. am i right anybody huh i'm On not seeing it revolvers french revolver talking about the manurin revolvers yes it's the same guy who brought in those revolvers that importer is the same importer that brought those uh, early uh, Yugos in. I'll be able to find it. Uh, Michael Zeleny, who is the foremost importer of uh, of uh, Nighthawk and Korth um, uh, and Manurin revolvers, is a friend of mine. Uh, he'll know. He'll know exactly who the guy is for sure. I, I, I have uh, I have an Austrian surplus uh, MR73 that I had refinished which is supposed to be 
like apostasy, but it was in, it, it looked like somebody had used it as a carpentry tool and it, and it came out pretty good. I'll, I'll find out who it is. Yeah. But yeah, that, that'll be, that'll be your clue right there. It's the same guy who brought in all those early man here in revolvers. I'm going to text him right now. It's word and nerd now, Marty, right here on the show, buddy. I know it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to find it right here. Uh, I did the Manchurian and can't find it. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, let's... From what I'm seeing here, it was 1987 was American Arms and Mitchell Arms. Mitchell Arms was thought to have brought in around, let's see. Oh, it doesn't say the amount. It says that uh, both rifles were made in the Zastava factory. So I would assume that these, these other couple smaller lesser knowns were basically the exact same thing maybe even came in in the same container ships for all we know you know most likely that's how the i mean a lot of those chinese ones did the same thing they just kind of tag teamed on an order and then it was disseminated out from there oh yeah right back hang on no worries um do you want to get into uh viewer questions Marte? yeah let's do that while uh nils is tracking this down we'll go to instagram first i didn't even look at these but i supposed to like yeah. Do some oh, research. I don't even have social media, so I damn sure didn't look at them. <laughs> yeah, just just scan through there, see if there's one that maybe. Uh, and here's one for you. We'll just start with AKM Archer. He says for James at Factory Forty Seven, what's the most popular line slash AK brand from your outstanding company? Favorite clothing I own, by the way. Wait, what? Where was this at? So this is on Instagram. I just want to know what your most pay, what your most popular mark is. Yeah, which factory do you sell the most of? Um, it, well, the Ishmash Ishmash shirt and hoodie for it's sure. It's the AK um, corner. No, it's the AK talking about. I, AK. Yeah, I was about. I was gonna. I was gonna throw that out there <laughs> and just start things off right. But then it's like you said, factory marking. Okay, he's well, gonna find it. The, the AK corner stuff is pretty hot. I won't lie, but uh, yeah. I think we're going with like one country marking. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what he meant. And I'll take the moment to toot our horn here that uh, we we put out. Oh gosh, it's been a few months now, but we did the Calumet High Wolverines uh, from the high school. Oh, sweet! And those have been pretty hot lately as well. Is that are those still available? What's that? Are those still available? Yes, yes, it's all still available. Okay, so you can go to your your site and get the the Wolverines. That's what you don't see every day. Oh, what is that? You do in Ukraine. That's a, this is a Steyr uh, marked. Imported Mahdi. Right. But it was sold in, in Cyprus to uh, Kellogg, Brown, and Root. They used it for shipboard security. And so, that's why it's got the different mark, the Steyr marking on the side. And it also has a Steyr marking under the barrel. Uh, not sure if I, I'm not sure if I can show it to you on this camera. It's uh, right there. There's a styre marking. I'd have to pull I think off the cleaning rod in front of it. The other side of the sight block. Hang on just a second. Ah, oh, can there it is. Yeah, there it is. There's right there. There he is. Yeah. Nice. And how much did you want That's for that? Cool. <laughs> and you're saying no, you like this rifle? It's not terribly accurate. <laughs> I don't, I'm not looking for accuracy. I'm looking for history. How much did you say? <laughs> It was uh, free. It was a rescue. This was in the estate of a guy I used to work with doing shipboard security and that sort of thing, who yeah. uh, worked for DynCorp and Parsons Petroleum and that kind of thing. It's beautiful. But how much did you say you're selling it for? Uh, 
The fifth of never. Everything has a price. Five million dollars. I'll trade you. I'll trade you my Styramati for your Styramati and whatever you want. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't I love you, James. It, wait, how come there's no? Show me that rear sight block again. Is there a fit factory 54 mark on that side? Uh, I beg your pardon. That's uh, that side of the sight block. Isn't there supposed to be a factory 54 mark on that? Uh yes, right there. It was. Uh, it has a 1994 mark on it. That's the Pharaoh. What about the other side? Isn't there other a factory side. 54? No, not all of them have like, it on the on the uh, starboard side. It wow. does have the. Oh, it's underneath. It does have the fertile crescent marking yeah. on the underside? Yeah. And all of the magazines are serial numbered to it and marked "Made in Egypt." Oh yeah, that's a wow. But the the magazines are East German or Romanian. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's a Kyra Pass uh, clone. We could okay. probably just do a whole episode on <laughs> Niels's guns. Yeah, yeah, that's shit, right? Okay, no, that's pretty cool. I'll give you five hundred bucks for it. Look oh, at that. Oh, cool, man. Uh, Actually, whoa, you know what? That magazine's in my book. Yeah, I just saw that in my book earlier. That's let me badass. See the, let me see the follower. Do you know how much that's worth? Oh, nice. It's priceless. Because like I could probably tell you. What What's it worth, James? Well, a Star Mati without that kind of history is selling for like six thousand all day right now. And that's on that's on the low end. Like they're going up from there. So uh, I'm sure that's those mags are probably worth five hundred bucks. That the the. Case that it came in, uh, the, the 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 M1 carbine jump case uh, had a, uh, a, a a Halliburton or yeah Halliburton uh, patch on it with the yeah. serial number on the uh, and it said something about return to arm uh, to arms room unloaded you know something like that yeah yeah after you check it out and go on your little patrol make sure you bring it back right well yeah. it's only a semi so. For law enforcement purposes, they could sell them, you know, as semi-automatic weapons, and they could come back in uh, with ship's kit, that sort of thing. That's how they came back into the United States, uh, or it came into the United States. Uh, but there weren't a lot of them. Well, if you uh, if you ever want to sell it, make sure you call me first. Uh -huh. uh, I'll tell my son. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's run through anyway, some of these. I've, I've, I've interrupted. The subject is Yugoslavian. Yugoslavian. Well, hey, I guarantee body, you our listeners are di are eating this up too, so yeah, that's fine. Uh, that's like a bonus. Um, <laughs> FPS Murdoch, when the Yugoslavia AKs went to stamped receivers, why did they go with thicker sheet metal? Um, they did on some and didn't on others. They used the one mil for a while. And then went to the 1.5 mil. Um, so they actually used both, but they used 1.5, you know, continuously for a very long time. Um, I won't speak to the Yugoslavians why they did it. I can tell you why some people do it. Uh, the 1.5 mil receiver is obviously a little thicker. The Chinese also use a 1.5 mil receiver. Um, Century Arms also uses a 1.5 mil receiver on the Viscas and on the BFT 47s. Um, Obviously, there is a durability and a toughness factor to it. I also know that the um, the extra mil, the little half mil thickness, makes the uh, the alignment and the assembly process a lot better. You're able to get much better riveting done with a 1.5 mil receiver than you can with a one mil receiver. Um, you can put a little more pressure behind it, make it a little cleaner. 
Um, also, um, to what Nils was saying earlier, probably also has something to do with that, that um, an ease of production using the same basic sheet metal and thickness of receiver in their squad automatic weapon and in their standard patrol makes sense. Um, so they wouldn't want to have one mil on some guns and one and a half on other guns. Um, so it's probably part of that too, but there's definitely an advantage to a 1.5 mil stamp receiver. Is it, is it necessary? Not really. Um, but there are some advantages to it. Let's see. Casey, the Chinese rifles on do what now? The Chinese rifles have the thicker, uh, yeah, they have 1.5 mil receivers as well. The Chinese and the Yugos. Yeah. Casey Loftus, uh, Nils, thank you for the referral to Hillbilly Firearms in McMinnville, Tennessee. I needed an AK built for my son's 13th birthday, and Jeff referred me to a great guy in Knoxville. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. I still haven't gotten we in touch that with guy. that guy. I need to get in touch with him. Do you know him, Andrew? Yeah, you do too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's Je see. Je Jeff Miller's fantastic. Torag 77, any chance Sentry will ever make U.S. Palm 10-round mags for those of us stuck behind enemy lines? Um, Yeah, probably. I mean, when we get unburied, we'll probably make a lot of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll make a short 10-round mag. We may do a, a limited follower 10-round mag. Let's see. I think Neil's talked about this. Bobby uh, Rebufati one. What parts, if any, are interchangeable between the two platform between the platforms? How does the extra of uh, 0.5 millimeter support the receiver? We just talked about that. Uh, Yugo seem to be the least common in the market from my experiment experience, with the exception of the middle of the pandemic. Any clues why? Uh, why they're less popular or more popular during the pandemic uh, I, 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 common i think common not popular uh, um part of it is um that zastava recently began importing their own firearms and opening their own company zastava usa um so i part of that was there was a little bit of a lag between us as century importing them and them bringing the guns in themselves under um uh, usa so I think that may be part of the reason why, as far as availability and amount on the market. Okay. Wolverine 30 cal. Um, and this gets away from the from the Zastava AK. Let's talk about the Tokarov. Why doesn't Zastava put decent sights on the M57 Tokarov pistol? There's no options to upgrade. I shot mine in an IDPA match several times, but the sights are a deal breaker for a fighting handgun. Anybody familiar with the that Tokarov pistol? Yeah, I'm very familiar with Tokarov, but it doesn't matter who makes it. They all have crap sights on them. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, this is probably the political incorrect thing to say, but most of those pistols were probably used to shoot their own troops less than uh, they were ever used to shoot anybody else. Just <laughs> go. Um, for the Tokarev pistols, they probably shot more of their own people with Tokarevs than they ever did enemies. Um, but as far as the the, the Yugoslavians, um, I, I just doubt, got that. I mean, that's just the design of the pistol. It never had great sights. Um, you look at the Chinese Tokarevs, you can look at the, you know, the, the many different countries that make Tokarev pistols and none of them have good sights. 
But I mean, also look at a 1903 Browning. It's got shit sights on it too. Yeah. Connor P. Norris. Are there any, any theories as to why the handguards on the Yugo pattern are longer? Why is it just that characteristic? Yugoslavians need to be different or was it perhaps related to the use of the rifle grenade? Well, they, they just, they stole a bunch of AK Kalashnikov AKs and reverse engineered them. For, well, it's for the, uh, it's for the gas cutoff on the grenade launcher. That's why they're longer. The handguards. Yeah. Yeah. So because when you flip up that site, that grenade site, I don't know if we talked about this or not. A little bit. When that grenade site goes off, it shuts off the gas. Yeah, Neil's talked about that. Yeah, I thought he did. Um, so there's more stuff inside of that than there is in a standard AKM, and I would assume that's why they it's a little bit bigger. A bit longer? Yeah. And Okay, you unmuted yourself. Good. TD North 8, if there's going to be a 308 AK, does that mean there might be a pistol version also? Is there a significant life increase with the bulge trunnion? We talked about that. Uh, and how is everyone mounting slings to rear on the uh, M9285? Thanks. So mounting the slings on the M9285. Anyone? I'm not mounting slings because I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have one of those. You put a triangle stock uh, in Look for the loops. I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't really know how to answer that one. But uh, what was the first part of this question again? Was the 308 question? Uh, something about, yeah, if, if, there's, if there is going to be a 308 AK, does that mean there might be a pistol version also? Who's making I mean, if somebody's making a 308 AK, I'm sure they could make a pistol one. I don't see why they couldn't, but yeah. I don't think Mitchell imported uh, a 7.62 NATO Yugoslavian AK that was not the larger pattern. It was like an M70 only in 7.62 NATO. Cool. Oh, so here, I guess here's why he's asking that at a SHOT Show this year. Um, I guess Zastava showed off a 308. I guess they had a 308 at their booth. Cool. Uh, P-Man says that here. They've made them in the past. Yeah, it would simply just be tooling up to make them again if they've already designed it and it already worked. Yeah. Let's see. The Shaky Taster. Is there any reason that I cannot use an underfolder stock from a different country of origin on a Yugo. Different size rear trunnion. There's two different sizes too for the Yugos. So the Yugos have two different size trunnion pins and neither of them are the same as everybody else's. Let's see. The M92 PAP has an underfolder trunnion and I'm considering doing an SBR. Uh, There's for it. If you're going to have an M92, that's a good life choice. Either that or take that training out and put a side folder together. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, I know that you can you can buy the different pin sizes. I know because I've had to buy them before for stuff. Um, so they do make different pin sizes. So we could put an underfolder. Possibly, he would have to do some, you know, some fitting. Don't get me wrong; it's not going to bolt up, but it's definitely possible he could do that. 
Uh, he says, also dongs, man. I need a Yugo dong. Zip ties and the girlfriend's personal massager just don't cut it. <laughs> There's a lot of dongs out there. Yeah, there are. I mean, you just got to be careful how you Google search that. You get in a lot of yeah. trouble with that one, man. Yeah, well, and you know, your computer's always listening, so you start getting all these ads you didn't want either. So you got to be careful how you search <laughs> that. You don't talk about thong grips in front of your iPhone. Yeah. You're going to get AOC uh, excited talking about this, right? Yeah. We're going to have to have Elon Musk, uh, uh, you know, kick her to the curb again for us. His banner. Yeah. <laughs> Call in some reinforcements. Sick Nartini. I've had one for a while. I enjoy it because it's, in my opinion, the thickest of the AKs. Good recoil management and pretty sturdy. Since the Iraqi Tabuk rifles share a similar pedigree, would it be hard for Century to make clones of the Tabuk DMR? I mean, a clone of the Tabuk would be a clone of the M70. I mean, we've made parts for a long time. What was that, James? I said, as long as you have an unmarked trunnion, it's easy. Yeah, there you go. Nailed you it. <laughs> but I mean, I don't, I don't think Century will have any. Will will make a, a copy of the Zastava gun because they already make one, and they import it, and they're widely available. So it would make any sense for us to to make another one. But and a Tabuk is just a copy of the the Yugo, so. It, you know, it's just an M70 that's a poorer quality yeah. and that was manufactured in a facility we bombed the shit out of years ago. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you would just but, make it, you would just make it one, M70 and change the markings. If you have one, call me because he's not going to sell me his Mahdi, so I'm, you know, I'll take a look. <laughs> I think James only gets on the show to find new cool shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it. I'm with you, brother. I'm yeah. with you. I mean... If you can get that lion of Babylon on a rifle, who doesn't want that? Yeah, exactly. I don't care how shitty quality it is. <laughs> the the same the same guy who who brought in the the Steyr. Of course he does. <laughs> also, no, he's dead. But he also had a Chinese uh, Dragunov. Oh, oh And it was a military Dragunov. It wasn't an, an NDM. I, I was waiting for you to tell me that he had a battlefield pickup to book. I was like, damn. He had a but what? Chinese Dragunov, that's pretty damn also. Damn. Yeah, especially well, having an actual military one, not an imported one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a Type 72. Yeah, that's wow. badass. Yeah. Zert Z24420. Is the Century Arms BFT basically the U.S. equivalent of the Yugo AKs? Is the furniture interchangeable between the two variants? It is not a Yugo pattern gun. That's all we'll say about that. None of the parts from a Yugo gun are interchangeable with the BFT. Uh, SWK1983, what's the biggest difference between Yugo and other AKs? I think we pretty much went through that. Uh, ESOM87, are there any benefits to Yugo pattern rifles over an AKM pattern? I think uh, I think we probably went into that. About yeah, this. if you got to launch rifle grenades at BMPs and T64s, you know, it's uh, it's what you want, man. Yeah, yeah if you're taking up a defensive yeah. position against Nazis and you want, so, um, you want rocket let's launchers. Let's talk about grenades real quick, Marty. Ask Ukraine, huh? Let's talk about his grenades real quick. So okay. the, Yugo, 
they we, we just say grenade. We keep saying grenades, and people are like, you can't blow up a grenade with a, t- a tank with a grenade. Well, they had two types of rifle grenades. One was a shaped charge, which was specifically for shooting at tanks, and one was an anti-personnel um, type grenade. So, yeah, and I, even though we're talking about rifle grenades, these were a little more than your hand grenade you would throw at for anti-personnel. They're actually a shaped charge grenade that would it's, fire. It's a, it's a fin-stabilized affair with a trinitrotoluene explosive charge that's hollow, as Drew has stated, and it will drill easily three inches of rolled homogenous steel. Yeah. Here's some pictures of some of those rifle launch. Yeah, I just know when, when we talk on the, on the you know, on a pod, they picture a grenade in their hand. They're shooting a grenade. They're yeah. shooting a grenade. A little pineapple. Grenades at tanks. I wanted to kind of make, make yeah. that explain, explain that a little more. Well, Drew, that's very good. You're precisely correct. James, do you have any of these for me? No, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm very I like how he's like, yeah, these weren't for anti-personnel. They were, they were a little more than that. And you're like, yeah, let me give you the recipe. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I love having, I, I love being on shows with people like Nils that have all that technical information that I lack. Well, I've been sitting here with my pen the whole time, just jotting it down. I'm like, you said what? A pound of baking soda and what else? Hold on. <laughs> you guys are nothing but trouble. You know that, right? Hundred percent. So, Esom eighty seven has um, several questions here. Uh-oh. Um. What's everyone's favorite Yugo model? Go with that one. I like them all because I don't have any of them. I want one. I've got an old M70 I've loved for years, but, you know, the impacts are also super cool and fun. Great shooting little rifles. Um, I love my Yugo SKSs, too. I've got a couple of those Yugo SKSs from back in the day. I love them. I bet Neil's got one. I'm going with because I – I mean, I have several of them, but every one of them I've SBR'd and thrown the triangle side holder, and you basically have a 7.62 crank. So I got a fetish for those, but I mean, short barrel side holding, that's cool. Yeah, awesome. Do you have one of those nice uh, Polytech side folders, James? Maybe. I got an underfolder, but not a side. <laughs> I, I have a couple of Polytechs sitting around. Does it? Does it have like that nice, sick orange uh, bakey light on it? It does if you want to trade for that Mahdi you were showing off. <laughs> <laughs> it can. <laughs> You'll never get it. <laughs> Can't blame you for trying. No, I, I, I don't blame you for trying. Um, you don't get anything unless you ask for it. <laughs> I, I, I wish I had never sold that early import Yugo Kalash. I wish I still had it. It was a nice rifle. Yeah, it sounds it. Let me switch to uh, Facebook here because we got questions on Facebook too. Uh, we talked about the parts interchangeable. Mike, Mike Trejas, Jay Allen. Why didn't they just copy the AKM and decide to go with their own way? Barrel dimensions, blah blah blah. Because they had different needs, different uses. Uh, Nils did a good job talking about that and. Uh, you know their terrain and everything's different. And 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 truthfully, they they weren't given the data package. They didn't have the data. Yeah, they had reversed it. engineered everything. Yeah. So if you're going to reverse engineer, you might as well make improvements or make it more, 
you know, what you want as opposed to just what's already out there. <clears throat> this is from Sal Clarino. It's on Facebook. It says, question for Century Arms. Will the conflict in Ukraine and the sanctions on Russia affect the imports uh, of Red Army Standard Ammo? I mean, it's banned. It's banned from importation. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. It's it's banned from importation. So you 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 can't bring Russian ammo in. Um, I guess technically you can. Uh, we still have valid permits. Bouncing around. Yeah, we have valid permits, but um, you know the Russians aren't going to ship us any more ammo. I don't believe um, they need it. Probably just to be frank. Um, don't think the war is going quite the way they thought it was. Um, but yeah, so. But for for listeners out there, Red Army Standard Ammo, the brand is not going anywhere. We've already kicked off a new factory outside of Russia that's manufacturing the ammo for us. Um, you know, the brand's not going anywhere. We will have Raz Ammo um, again, and you know, continuing going forward. It's just not going to be coming from Russia. It'll be coming from one of the many other places you can purchase and manufacture steel case ammunition. So don't don't look for the brand to disappear. But there's definitely going to be a little bit of a lull, Eric. Tenborg, why does Century NPAP DF not have the gas block shot off off? Why did Century NPAP DF not have the gas block shot off? I don't the know. Shut off. Must be oh, shut off. off. Shut off. That's what it's not is. meant to shoot grenades. <laughs> simple answer for a simple question. Civilians can't shoot grenades. The the Italian Navy uh, bought about 200 M70s for their special warfare program, and they used them as lines-throwing weapons for throwing a line to a ship so that uh, they could board a ship, presumably, and some of those had Breda markings on them. Because I think Breda is the one who imported them to Italy. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Uh, well, um, there are a lot of weapons that have been converted to line throwing. The British 303 was a line throwing weapon, and uh, the Martini Henry was adapted uh, as a harpoon gun and as a line throwing weapon. Yeah. Uh, Pete Peter Kale says, out of all, and this may be one James knows, out of all the Serbian Yugo pattern AKs, is there a variant that is significantly significantly more rare than others? We've been talking about it the whole time. I think we answered his question with some of those early imports. <clears throat> yeah, I'd agree with that. Probably the like the Mitchell and the the one you guys can't remember the name of. <laughs> From Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky Winded JK. Was that Parsi who did that? Parsi? Might be his name, but it wasn't the name of the company. But, well, there's a there's a Persian they have a Persian name, him. and they imported a lot of um, gear logo foul receivers from Imbel, and they also imported some of those 5.56 millimeter set me belt fed machine guns, which are like a two third scale MG42. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's him, but it could be. Okay. Tongue for twisting. It says, all right, I see a lot of guys customizing the AK steel mags. Uh, say sh shit hits the fan, would you be 
Would that be a go-to mag? Have you heard of jams or complications using these? Customizing the AK steel mags. Have you seen any issues with people that have done that? I mean, I, that's too broad of a question to really give a good answer to. What is what are they modding and what yeah. steel mag modding? Some, some people are suspicious of the bolt hold open. They think that it blows the rifle up uh, under some wrong condition. I've heard this from a couple of people. I've never experienced it, and I don't know anybody who actually has. But there's a lot of bullshit that trades hands on the Internet. Yeah, I'm going to go with yes on this uh, because any time an American takes their Dremel and thinks they're going to outwit, you know, 50, 60 years of, you know, supreme engineering of some of the world's greatest weapons manufacturers, you know, I'm just going to. That's what yeah, I was going to say. Yes. I mean, an unmodified over a modified, you, you know, if you want reliability, like sure reliability, get one that's not been modified. I would just get a whole bunch of U.S. Palm mags. Well, we have been giving a lot of those away here on the AK corner. We've Shameless given away, plug. we've given away uh, forty, forty of them to date this year. So. Yeah, man. Just uh, email Marty; he'll get you my contact information. We'll send you know we'll get we'll sell you a case of fifty. You'll be all set. You'll never need to buy another AK mag again. There you go. U.S. Palm. Now, are, weren't y'all coming out with a new color or something? Of the US, yeah, nothing to be announced as of yet. No. Oh, okay. I'm not supposed to talk about that yet. Um. All right. I think that's enough questions for now. Uh, there's a lot more. James, did you see any questions on there that you wanted to field? I didn't. I didn't end up hitting the Facebook one. I was cruising through the Instagram, but I think we hit a bunch of them. Okay. Yeah, because I think a lot of these are things we've already touched on, or. Let's give away. Let's give away some stuff. Let's give stuff away. Let's start off with the Seal One uh, cleaning kit. Am I? Is my screen not sharing, or am I sharing? I can see you, buddy. Okay, good deal. So from Seal One, go SealOne.com. Use the code Leadhead. You get twenty-five uh, percent off uh, any of their products, and we're going to be giving away one of these that has a little bit of all their products in it. It's got the the pre-soaked bore patches, uh, the liquid, the paste, and uh, the cleaning brushes and cloth, the micro cloth, all that. Um, so of those questions that I asked, did any of, uh, any of them stand out that you want to, you guys want to award that to? Well, how about Peter Kale's question? Out of all the Serbian Yugo pattern AKs, is there a variant significantly uh, more rare than the others. I think that's a good question. Okay. That's a good question. I think it was too. So that was on Facebook. So Peter Kale, and this goes for uh, all our winners today. Email me, talkinglead at gmail.com. Tell me what you won, th what episode this is, uh, and obviously I'll need your, your mailing address to forward it on. So congratulations, uh, Peter. You won the SEAL 1. Awesome. Cool. So next, let's give away, and Andrew, I don't think you've seen these yet. The dump trays from Mission First Tactical. Yeah, I've seen the dump tray. Have you seen the ones with your logo on them? Yeah, you texted me a picture of it, I think. Okay. So uh, for this season, we've got these awesome Talking Lead AK Corner 
Century Arms <laughs> presenting presenters of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Um, you can go to missionfirsttactical.com, use the code LEADHEAD, get 20% off if you want to go ahead and buy your own. Or you can get any logo you want printed on your dump tray, armor's tray. Um, they'll put anything on there that's licensed. <laughs> and they got magazines. You can get magazines printed with stuff on them too, you know. This is an that's example cool. of, of one you can't get yet. <laughs> uh, here's one with our logo, the Leadhead Brigade logo. Could you put Chris Rock on one of them for you can't, me? You can't. <laughs> Chris Rock. You want getting slapped? Chris Rock is the man. He's got he's got nuts like church bells, man. <laughs> Tell me about it. You know, he was there when Chappelle got attacked last night by some uh, dude in a skirt. What? I hadn't heard about yeah, that. Oh, Chappelle got attacked at the night. Hollywood Bowl last night. Yeah, some dude in a skirt uh, bum-rushed uh, Chappelle on the stage, and Chris Rock was there and asked him, uh, what, do you, what do you think of me? Is, was that Will Smith? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never did hear his uh, – didn't he address that at some point, Chris Rock? Didn't he make a comment? I never heard what his comment was. Well, he, he said something. I mean, Chris Rock is, to me, the funniest of the stand-up comics you know, I do a lot of stakeout work, and all the guys I know who do stakeouts, surveillance, that sort of thing, traffic in good comedy CDs, and I'll tell you, I've spent hours and hours and hours listening and comparing. Chris Rock is the most original with the best delivery, and probably the single most vulgar man in North America. Never, <laughs> never sell him short, okay? He is pretty vulgar. Uh, but yeah, he's funny. All right, so who who do we want to give this to? Does uh? Let's say AKM Archer because he gave me a badass shout out. AKM Archer sounds good. <laughs> there you go. So you win a dump tray. Email talkingletgmail.com. Tell me what you won. Um, and we're gonna give away. So, uh, are we giving away one each, or are we giving away as a as a pair for the shirt and the hat? Uh, whatever you want to do. Oh, I don't know. I like to I like to spread the love. So, all right, spread the love. Let's spread. Do it. So we're going to be giving away one of these, right? A talking lead AK corner. I call them leddies. They're they're better than a yeti. They keep your drink seconds colder than a yeti. The talking mm -hmm. leddy AK corner from Factory Forty Seven and. Our shirts also have, so you get that, and then you get all the different company or uh, manufacturing logos on the back of our shirts and hoodies, too. So who's going to win that? Is that what we decided, a cup or a shirt? I can't remember what you said. It doesn't matter. What do we want to do? I don't care. I know we, I know we decided on a Zastava hat. A Zastava hat. Okay, that's going to be one giveaway. And then let's do, you want to do a shirt or you want to do a cup? Either one. I don't care. You just you just made a really nice, thoughtful presentation of that cup. So let's go with that. I really oh, love my cup, cup, dude. You said something about keeping it warm and the whole thing. And I was like, I want to go get a drink. <laughs> keeping it cold. <laughs> Keeps your drinks drink minutes colder than a Yeti, the talking Letty. Don't be a snowflake. Yeah. Get your I'm going to have to write that down and put that in the product description. That's good. That's <laughs> good. 
I'm a huge fan of the Letty. I got to be honest with you. I use my Letty most every day. Um, so yeah, Letty. You do, and yours is still in pristine condition. I I don't understand it. I don't understand how it's it's like it's brand new. It's crazy. I'm I'm pissed it's like off. Durable about it. like an AK. Let's go with um the shaky taster. Taster, you know, like he wants to taste the original Letty. There it is. He's got one of the original Letties. Look at there. It's because I live in an old house that doesn't have a dishwasher, and so all my dishes are hand washed. <laughs> <laughs> um, he asked, "Is there any reason that I cannot use an underfolder stock from a different country of origin on a Yugo?" Uh, so that was pretty good. We had some good conversation from that. So shaky taster, you win a factory forty-seven talking lead Letty AK corner. Bada boom, bada bing. Uh, email me. And then for the hat, the Zastava Factory 47 lid. Who's going to win that? I already picked, so somebody else has to pick. Well, Andrew's okay. got no social media. How about Ryan Reisner? Oh. What's the history of the M92? What applications was it designed to be used for? Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Who is that, Ryan? So how, Ryan, Ryan, when you email in, let us know if you want the trucker hat, the flat bill, or the flex fit. Okay, Ryan. There's your options. Email that to me. Talking, fit, what size your head is. <laughs> yeah. Talkingletgmail.com, and I'll forward that on to James there. Uh, and so that does it for our our giveaways for this episode. But Drew, you want to make the announcement for our upcoming dun 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 what we're giving away? This is this is huge. We're gonna give away a BFT 47. <laughs> so here it is, Leadheads, the moment you've been waiting for. Uh the Century Arms BFT 47. Their new AK-47, AKM, I'm sorry. People get mad when I call it an AK-47. You know, Man, get, people need to chill the hell out. You know? They're probably going to get mad at me for calling a 7.62 a crink earlier, too. Probably. <laughs> probably. Hey, you want to you see a bunch of heads explode and people piss their pants? Call your AR-15 an M-16. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll get all get out of shape about that, too. Yeah. That's right. There's a lot more important shit to be worried about that out there lead heads than uh whether or not we said the right thing but yeah and if anybody sends me bft 47s if, and uh real quick marty i'm gonna give a little a little thing about the bft 47 i know we've talked about it before um bft stands for bulge forged trunnion um the bft 47 does have a bulge trunnion in the front it is also forged it is not cast it's not machined it's forged um we also have a 1.5 mil receiver um which is common with most all of our U.S. our U.S. manufactured uh, AKs, the Visco, the 1.5, as well as the BFT-47. Um, when we talked about earlier about interchangeability, um, the BFT is still an AKM, so all your parts interchangeability is the same. We just took what we liked from the Yugo, which was the, the Bulge Trunnion and the 1.5 receiver, and added that to it. But it's the same furniture as your standard AKMs. Same magazine, same trigger pack, same bolt. All the stuff's the same. 
So it is not interchangeable with any of the UFO stuff. It is, however, interchangeable with all of your standard AKM aftermarket stuff, including your gas blocks, all that kind of stuff. Um, so um, to answer that, that is where that is. But yeah. Hold it up. Show it again. I would hold one up. I'll, I just have the Vishka, so I don't have I don't have yours. I don't have the BFT yet. You see right here. And it's not exactly like the Yugo. It's definitely our own pattern and design. Yeah, your camera sucks. <laughs> yeah, whatever. This is an old, old laptop. But you can see. You can see it there, yeah. Yeah, does, yeah you can see it there. Does does the Dasan South Korean Kalashnikov have that bulge? <laughs> or, or is it uh, the flush receiver of the typical AKM pattern? Say that one more time. The Dasan, the South Korea Dasan machine makes a very high quality AKM. Oh, yeah. Both absolutely. selective fire and semi auto. Does it have the bulged uh, trunnion or is it? I have no idea. I'm I just curious. Uses. Yeah, I, don't, I don't, honestly don't know, but I have a buddy that works at Dasan. I can probably ask him. I bet you could. I bet yeah. you could. He didn't work yeah. there it's, anymore. It's, it's, it's so high quality that the Finnish military has started allowing their reservists to buy the Dasan as in semi-auto form as as their at-home weapon that they deploy with. Interesting. Hold yeah. it up again. Your camera's working now. It never stopped for me, buddy. Oh. Every time you hold that up, you can kind of see there. See there. See that bulge. So anyway, between now and our July episode, that'd be July... So you got a couple of months here. Have we decided how we're going to do this? What they got to um, do? Nope. Okay. <laughs> oh, let's think of something creative, Marty. Help me out here, buddy. James, Niels, what's a good yes. creative way that we could give this away to get? They have to participate somehow. They have to do some participation. All right, how about this? Anybody who knows the correct nomenclature of the seven six two by three nine round. Anybody who can name that Kentucky company? <laughs> it's going to be me 15 minutes after we get off this call. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of having them do something on social media. They got to work for it, man. They got to work for it. Here's what we're going to do. I got it. Okay. All right. So, in order, in order to be eligible to win the BFT, the Century Arms BFT 47, uh, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to make a post on social media. It could be Facebook. It could be um, Instagram. And What about TikTok, Marty? No. No. Okay. Facebook just or Instagram. Curious. That's it. That's it. I should just limit it to Instagram. I think I'm just going to limit it to in Instagram. So okay. just Instagram because that's just too much work for me to have to track it down. So I want you to post and if you don't have an AK, go to your gun, your local gun store, and ask them to to let you do it. Uh, but I want you to take a picture with a Century Arms firearm. It could be any of their AKs, but it needs to be a Century Arms firearm. It could be a Canic. We'll even go Canic. You know, we'll we'll open it up. Uh, and I want you to make a post on social media with you holding your Century Arms firearm and some cool caption you know caption it yourself however you want to caption it um and you're going to use you're going to tag me 
Talking Lead, you're going to tag uh, Century Arms. You're going to tag Factory 47. You're going to tag tag James. You're going to tag all our sponsors. You're going to tag Seal 1. You're going to tag IWI, Israeli Weapons Industries. You're going to tag Mission First Tactical. Okay, and you know how to tag people. And then use the hashtag TLBFT47. Hashtag TLBFT47. Okay, and that's how I'm going to track these. And then for everybody who does that, whoever our panel is on July's AK Corner, and Andrew, you're going to have to be on it. We're going to vote. We're going to have a vote on the most creative, the most liked post. And James, if you want to be part of that, Niels, you want to be part of that, uh, we'll have you on that episode. We'll have everybody back and and judge it. What do you think, Andrew? I'm good with that. We'll even get Adam involved. He can help judge. There you go. And the more of our sponsor stuff you get in your your post, your Instagram post, Seal 1, Factory 47, IWI, uh, Mission First Tactical, the more brownie points you're going to get. I'm not going to say it's going to sway you to win, but you're going to get some brownie points with me. So you might you might get my vote from it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it would be pretty cool to see somebody just like chilling with a wazer and maybe like a factory 47 hoodie or something like that. That'd be cool. Right. Or, man. Man. or maybe if you showed up in Nashville and you found me and Andrew at Royal Range and you got a picture with us with your stuff. I don't that could very well happen. I'm that just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So you got until now, until July's AK Corner episode. So you've got a couple of months to be creative and do something awesome and put this together. So, and I'll make a post on uh, Instagram too explaining this too. But for those that are listening, watching the video, you're going to do a social media post. And if you don't have Instagram or something, then then make a fake account. You know, now's the time to start an account. You know, to get you a BFT from uh, from Century Arms. That's awesome. So I'm making you work for this. I mean, you're not going to get a get a gun by just asking a a question and us randomly awarding it to you. You got to work. And you piss me off for not uh, for only fifteen or twenty people, however many entered on that prism from from Primary Arms. That's a four hundred dollar prism so you're gonna have to work for this guys i like so it i love what it what kind of disc jockey are you marty i mean come on i'm not <laughs> i'm not a disc jockey <laughs> i'm like, not spinning the oldies baby <laughs> so you so we all discover what happened to marty's broadcasting career on fm radio <laughs> so there you right, go, Leadheads. That's what you got to do. That's how you got to win. If you got questions, you can email me, talkingletgmail.com. I'll try to uh, answer your questions. But, um, again, I'll make a post, and uh, I'll try to explain everything a little bit better. But I think we got it pretty pretty solid right there. I think everybody understands. So uh, go show Century Arms some love. Presenting sponsors of the Talking Lead AK Corner this season. Couldn't do this without them. And uh, we got to get Adam on. So I'm sure he'll want to be on the next episode to uh, do the judging. And uh, Seal One, go to SealOne.com, use the code LEADHEAD, 25% off. Mission First Tactical, LEADHEAD, 20% off. Factory 47, is that code still good? LEADHEAD, 10% off at Factory 47? Yes, it is. Awesome. So you guys go to Factory 47. Uh, you want to get some awesome ammo, good high-quality ammunition, you go to Defiant Munitions. 
and uh, you use the code LEADHEAD, you get um, 10% off there, and it's all caps um, to get the 10% off there. Uh, Andrew, we did an episode on lever actions, and uh, he's making some uh, 4570 ammo now for those. Nice. Uh, some, Excellent. Some really nice 4570 ammo. Hey, fellas, I'm very pleased to meet both James and Drew, but I've got to go cook dinner for my 17-year-old or at least start eating my furniture. That's what uh, microwaves yeah, yeah, yeah. are for, man. <laughs> you gentlemen, I want to Nils. thank you for allowing me to participate. Thank and, you, uh, Nils. I'll talk to you another time, eh? Couldn't, couldn't do it without Absolutely. you, buddy. Great Appreciate it. with you, Nils. Thanks, buddy. Uh, so what's new and exciting at Factory 47, James? Well, uh, a couple months ago, we released the Calumet High Wolverines collection. So it's a play on the school from Red Dawn, iconic movie, of course. And um, so we got some flags. We got the shirts. We got uh, <clears throat> um, patches actually are finally in. They're going to be released probably next week uh, going along with that whole collection. So that's kind of fun. And um that's about it new right now. Got a couple couple things in the works that I maybe hopefully will be able to announce on the next episode. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So I'm going to your website now. Here's the uh, the Wolverines. Those flags will be restocked in like two days. Okay. Live right now and they're they're showing sold out. I'm like, damn it. The patch. I love that shirt. Oh yeah, that's great. And will will the discount code work on these? Yes, it does. Sweet. Oh, I'm definitely wearing one of those. That's cool as shit. Oh yeah. And there's gonna be uh there'll be tumblers and uh, patches to go with that collection uh, probably next week, and then um, you and I should get together on those uh, the hats you'd mentioned. We've, yeah. I know we've mentioned that before, and we just haven't done it. So yeah, we should get together probably sometime here in the next couple of days and work on that. And maybe we'll have an announcement next episode as well. So okay, yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, go check them out. Factory forty seven. It's f a k t o r y forty seven dot com. Are you sending any of these shirts over to Ukraine? Are you getting a lot of orders from Ukraine on these shirts? <laughs> I know I haven't got any orders for from Ukraine. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I bet if they knew about but it, I don't, know. I, I don't know what to what to think on any of the stuff that uh, you know you see because some you know ninety five percent is probably propaganda on either side. But yeah, I tell you what, those those video clips and pictures of people just being handed cranks just sure gets me excited. Oh my gosh, it's it's unreal. It's like oh, I wish I was there. I just yeah, I, was like, I don't know if that's a movie or if that's reality or what, but either way, that's some good footage right there. That's cool. Yeah. And man, spray painting Wolverines on blown up tanks, that's cool shit right there. <laughs> that's what's All cool. All I got to say is whoever did that, I'll buy them a BFT-47. <laughs> you send me a video of you spray painting Wolverines on a blown up Russian tank, you get a BFT-47, period. Boom. There you go. <clears throat> but it's got to be over in Ukraine. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, you know, if you want to blow up a Russian tank somewhere else, I don't give a shit. As long as it's a blown up Russian <laughs> tank. I got you. I got you. Don't go blowing up uh, tanks here in America. It ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Um, Century Arms. Anything else new and exciting going on coming coming down the pike? You know, got NRA coming up. You guys got some stuff going on at NRA. If you guys are going to be at NRA, definitely come by our booth. It's going to be wild. We are going to be giving away tons and tons of stuff. We got tons of great guests going to be in our booth. Um, you know, there's going to be autographs, giveaways. Um, if you've ever seen, been to a show and been to the Century booth, you know, we've got the claw machine. You can get free T-shirts, U.S. Paul mags. Um, so definitely NRA is going to be wild. It's going to be a good time. 
Um, I would like to touch on a couple things really, really quick yeah. on the AK side. Um, a lot of we have a lot of new uh, AK variants out there right now for sale. Um, one in particular I want to talk about is our our veteran rifle. Um, we put out a rifle with a red stock and it has a veteran logo engraved on it um, on the butt stock, and that is a rifle we put together with uh, Josh Palata Fund, um, and that is a uh, veterans organization up in Vermont. That was uh, started in memory of a former uh, Century Arms employee who uh, lost his uh, battle with uh, mental health issues after serving overseas. And uh, so we made this rifle and the proceeds from that rifle are going directly to the Josh Plata Fund. So um, we're definitely really excited about that. Those are out there. They're in stores. You can buy them. Um, Definitely a a great cause and a great gun. So is that on your um, website somewhere? um, Yeah, it should say BFT Vet. It may not have made it on the website because we only made 1,500 of them, I think. But they are out there at dealers and in distributors. I actually saw one on the wall at a dealer in Nashville last week. So, oh, okay. Um, out there, if you guys see them, um, not only are you getting a great AK, it's also supporting a great cost. Very cool. What about other variants? Um, we just got some different, um, as everybody knows, if you're into AKs, there's a huge problem in getting wood furniture right now. Um, so we've had some cool like MOE versions with some Magpul stuff on them. We got some versions out there that come with the Ultimac rails on them, which is super cool, um, good value. And then uh, we've got some polymer versions also. Um, also, if you guys are into Dracos, they're super hard to get. Um, coming from Romania, obviously, with all the stuff going on overseas, those supplies are up and down. Um, we are making uh, the U.S. Draco, the Visca Draco pistol. So if you're looking for an AK pistol, um, definitely look for the the Visca pistol. Um, I've got one. I've put a bunch of rounds to it. Love it. Shoots killer. Um, it's got a new muzzle brake on it um, that works really, really well um, on the barrel. So definitely, if you guys are in the, in the market for an AK pistol, check out that uh, U.S.-made uh, Visca Draco pistol. Is it uh, braced? Um, it is not. Well, it, it comes both ways, but currently we're so busy we haven't been sipping any braced models. Yeah. But it's an AK pistol. You can put a numerous number of different ways you can put braces on it. Uh, does it come ready to, to add one if you want to put it one? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's yeah. that's the question there, yeah. Here, hold on. I'll show you. Okay. Yeah. Let's take a peek. Mm, there we go. Can you see it? Yeah. Sorry. So it's, got the, face. it's got the hole there for it. Yeah, so you can put the uh, the tube adapter or the pick rail. Let's see the brake. See that brake you're talking about. Ooh, that is mean looking. Who makes that? We do. Oh, y'all are making that? Nice. Yep. So it's short, but it's effective. It works real well. Very cool. So a, a Vishka pistol. It's not as loud as the J-Mac. Yeah. But I don't think anybody's as loud as theirs. Man, I think it's badass, though, man. That J-Mac brake is killer. They hold, the, I think, the record for the loudest brake. I think they do. If they don't, if we if we had a competition, I'm pretty sure they would win. Well, very good, very good. Um, canic wise, anything new with the canic? Uh, canic rivals. I mean, that's, the rivals. We're fast. We'll sell, we'll sell them faster than we can get them. Um, so yeah, definitely the rival is just crushing it. Um, we've got some new exclusive uh, pattern designs coming out mm-hmm. on the canic. It's called Canic Creations. Yeah. That's coming out. You're going to start seeing those in dealers and the distributors out there. We'll start seeing those in the next few weeks. Um, pretty cool. It's a new Cerakote process that uh, was proprietary just for Canic. 
Um, so you won't see it from any other brands, oh, but you'll, you guys will see those when they come out. It's pretty cool. Okay, cool. Looking forward to that. Definitely. Uh, U.S. Palm, Red yeah. Army Standard, anything going on there we need to... Um, we briefly touched on Red Army Standard earlier when someone asked about the Russian ammo, so we kind of covered that already. Um, and as far as U.S. Palm goes, um, nothing new to announce right now with U.S. Palm, but we got mags, we got pistol grips, we're selling a tar out of them. If you need a high-quality, very durable um, AK mag, U.S. Palm's the way to go. And like I told you before, Marty, long before I ever worked for Century... Long before I ever worked with U.S. Palm, I've been using U.S. Palm mags to compete with for over 10 years. Yeah, they're good. They're good palm uh, mags. They're yep. good, good solid mags. I I like them. I use them. I can't use them in one, but that's because I made a modification on it. So, uh, But, yeah. Well, very good. So there you go, uh, Leadheads. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was I learned a lot. Very informative. Was very fortunate to get Niels on. Uh, he is a wealth of knowledge. He knows about everything. It surprises me every time I have him. He on. is. He is. He's a cool guy. I knew you would like him. I knew. Yeah. I knew you dig Neils. He's awesome. Um, God, and, I couldn't imagine him and Brian on the show at the same time though. Oh yeah, Brian's like me. Here. I mean, he just sits there and just like oh, he's just soaking it in. Yeah. But uh, yeah, great episode. Um, hope everybody enjoyed it. Shoot me an email talking at gmail .com if you've got suggestions on topics, guests. Uh, or if you just got questions on things that we talked about today, be happy to try and field those. And of course, all you winners, you know, get in touch with me. We'll get you your stuff. And then the giveaway, the big BFT from Century Arms. Uh, we're looking forward to giving the way, that away and be looking for um, be looking for your post on the social meets on that. It's going to be fun. We'll have a good time with that. Uh, but until then, as always, you guys get out there, exercise your Second Amendment rights, and, uh, you know, start collecting those AKs. Or, or something new. Get in get into lever action guns. I think I got a new bug, Andrew. I think I got a new Been bug. Been there, done that. <laughs> so until then, Leadheads, we'll see you then. Out. That sounds pretty good. Okay. All right. I'll go with it. Niels. Niels B. Gravalius at your cervix. Dilated to meet you. Quite the cunning linguist, aren't I? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Drew. Yo. Give me something more than yo. Oh, what do you want? You want me to chit-chat, mindlessly talk to you? Yes.